mother is an artist. I'm not going to suddenly stop doing that because I have children. So you never felt that your mother exploited you or used you? I took the leap of faith into motherhood. I make a better aunt than I would a mother, I think. My mother, she had to make it like that. She's the most difficult job on the planet. She's a mother. That sounds like a mother already devastated by the death of one son. She's going to kill me. So knowing how to prepare for Mother Nature's Surprise, theory can actually save you. Barack Obama hated his mother. Mama, I love you, and we're going to celebrate all hour with a cake. Ogni cinque secondi, cannoni d'assedio, spentare spazio con un accordo. Pam, pum, pum. Pum, pum. I mean, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Anne, I know that sounded weird, but today we're going to try to link that sound to Mother's Day. How are we going to explain this? <laughs> if you don't know, then we're in trouble. <laughs> Hello. Nanny. Yeah, huh. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Well, I guess I'm good as I can expect to be. Is that your grandmother, Amy? That's my nanny. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So I recently called my nanny to see if she would participate in this crazy plan of mine. So, you know, the baby's sleeping right now, so let me just get down to it. I went to the Guggenheim Museum recently, and they had this show, this exhibit of all of these paintings and sculptures that came yeah. out of a movement called the Italian Futurism Movement. And it was back in, like, uh, like the 40s. So what, who, are, who are the futurists? So, okay, so that guy that you heard at the beginning of the piece is F.T. Marinetti. Marinetti. Okay. He is the founder of futurism. Okay. And to give you a little bit more clarity about him, futurism, blah, 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 I went to go talk to Ara. Well, I'm not going to say his name right. Um, I'm Ara Mergen. I am associate professor of Italian studies and an affiliate of the Institute of Fine Arts here at NYU. Okay, so is it possible to sum up Italian futurism in, like, a short... Well, we can try. Uh, it was founded in February of 1909 by F.T. Marinetti, who was a poet and... Okay, so it turns out it's actually pretty hard to sum up futurism. <laughs> in 30 words or less. And probably even harder for somebody who's like, studies it all the time. So I'm just going to, like, butcher the uh the summary so ft marinetti he wrote a manifesto and it was all like oh we believe this and we believe that and there was no we there was no we it was him all alone so he was like bob dole like <laughs> actually no <laughs> he spoke of himself in the collective he did he was first like, person not not the second person exactly so was he an artist was he a writer was he none of those things what was he Who he was, was a he? poet he? he was a poet and he had money and he wrote a manifesto it always helps to have money if you're a poet it helps to have money period amen I guess he convinced people that his proverbial we was an actual we because people then joined him and soon it became an actual we. Mm. Okay, so what what was his sort of driving idea? Right. Thank you for asking that. Um, 
The main concept of Italian futurism was to discard the past. All of the art that's in Italy is like ancient Roman art or something out of the Renaissance. It was 1909. There, if, if, they if, if Italy and the world continued to worship Italy's past, there would be no place for new artists. You know what I'm saying? There was no place for him. There like was no him. right like him. They called for throwing Italy's great works of art into the Tiber River. They called for burning down the museums and academies. They compared Italy's cultural patrimony to a kind of corpse. And so how did they want to do things differently? Like And so in order to like change things up, they were like they embraced things like war. And machines. Which was actually good timing because World War One was about to start. God, you're so smart. <clears throat> like, you know about history and things. Okay, so part of the founding ma manifesto of futurism, it says under point number nine, mm -hmm. quote, We will glorify war, the world's only hygiene, and the scorn for women. Were they... How, was there? Now, when you're saying they, you really just mean him. Was he and his collective we, <laughs> his, imagine, his imagined group that became a real group, like, did, did, was he mentally stable? Like, did he have some kind of deep... Well, first of all, I think he had a lot of mommy issues, but... Who also, doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> but also, if you think about it, like, the like woman in this situation, it can also represent origin, and hence, the mother was, in a sense, everything that they wanted to disavow. So with that in mind, of course, we, you and I, and we don't probably appreciate necessarily this kind of language, but if you look at it in a broader context, you can sort of see how it makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, if you think of women as sort of the guardians of like domestic culture mm -hmm. and domestic culture being sort of very traditional mm -hmm. and kind of sort of lagging behind newer ideas, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And romanticized. Then you definitely would want to destroy that. Yes, and let's know. get rid of it. And so that's why also you could you could argue that this language is so like misogynistic and anti-feminist, but actually the overall message of futurism is kind of feminist. You know, like let's get rid of the past and move forward and do something new. I mean, there must have been women who were calling for something new or, or in their own way working toward something new and trying to destroy those older ideas and there were women who wrote manifestos that followed this one. Oh, interesting mm -hmm. okay so there he didn't want to destroy all the women i really think it's more conce an, a conceptual destruction of origin yeah rather than destroying women for real literally yeah okay so what did they do with these manifestos? Like, did they just, like, publish them in a newspaper? Did they just, like, read them to each other and feel fired up? And, like, what, what actually came of all this stuff? Right. So in order to, like, get rid of the past, they had to get pretty wild. You can imagine. So they couldn't just, like, write a manifesto and put it in a pamphlet. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, they wrote these manifestos. They were really challenging the status quo and what already existed in the art world. And then they would read them at these like theaters at these events that they called Serrate, Serrate. I'm what, not Italian. What does that mean? I don't know. But anyways, they would go to these theaters. 
the manifestos would be read aloud at public events at these futurist serate, they called them, or evenings. Serati. <laughs> but they would go to these things and like read these manifestos. And the public who came to watch this stuff would get so mad. They would oftentimes be assaulted. Um, they would have vegetables thrown at them. Um, the police were often called. There were often brawls. And they loved this. So if people hated these serate, why did they go to them? I have no... I mean, because people were bored. There was no TV. Okay. I wonder if they were doing like a bait and switch. Like, come for an evening of wine and poetry. And then they like just like all hell broke loose on stage they or something. crazy and started saying nuts out stuff. Like, we're going to throw... <laughs> you know, these paintings in the river. So the manifestos were kind of a public document as mm -hmm. well. It wasn't just like their private no. thing that guided them internally. They wanted everyone to read these. And they were they ranged from stuff like manifestos on lust to the manifesto of painting. Anything you could think of, you could write a manifesto and like the whole group was down with it. Wow. And but were they all sort of like if if you've got all these different people and all these different topics, was there sort of a guiding idea or not necessarily? I think their common philosophy was just like do something new. But the cool thing about it was that they recognized their that they were they too were obsolete. That, okay, you just blew my mind. Yeah. What? <laughs> so they realized that they eventually would become the romantic past and that the future artists should get rid of them as well. And in the founding and manifesto, Marinetti says, when we are older, we hope that younger artists will crample us up uh, crumple us up and throw us in the waste paper basket. So there's this, it's ambivalent. It's not all cut and dry. On the one hand, they do have these outsized egos, but on the other, they're calling for themselves to be replaced by successive generations who would, in their turn, create their own kind of futurism. And, and he mentions in there, like, ego, right? I mean, because how much ego does it take to write a manifesto? Like, I, I bet it takes a lot of ego. You would think, right? Because it's like... This is the way it is, is basically what a manifesto is saying about whatever topic they're covering. Yeah, one, it's like, I'm an expert. Two, it's like, even if I'm not an expert, you want to listen to me. Like, what I have to say is, you know, even if I'm not right, totally, you, you still want to hear me. I mean, podcasting is kind of the same way. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but again, like, their egos were kind of checked by this, like, knowledge that they, too, were obsolete, yeah. which I really liked about that. Like, hear us out and then... And then Go make your, your own, own thing. thing. Right. And and so then when I try, okay, so then this is where it gets hairy. This is when I started to ask Ara, like, I tried to relate the two things, right? Like Italian futurism and then this idea of getting moms to write their own manifestos. And at first he did not get it. So when you think about mothers, where do you think ego fits in there? Parenthood in general is ambivalent, right? On the one hand, it is the most selfless act uh, one can perform in caring for another human life. On the other hand, um, having a child is also in some ways fundamentally narcissistic, right? The child becomes uh, an extension or projection of you and your own ego. So I think it is not necessarily straightforward. Here's what I want to know. Was she your boss? Uh, absolutely. I mean, all Armenian mothers are there. <laughs> son's bosses <laughs> but uh you know i don't think necessarily uh any more or less than than most people's mothers were so at this point and i'm talking to ara we talked about you know like she determines 
what you eat when you go to bed, how you wipe your butt. That's true. So for a child, a mother is like the boss of the boss. Um, well, I mean, I think in a sense, mothers are always issuing their own kinds of manifestos. It's an ongoing thing. It's not necessarily anything written down or scripted or broadcast, but it's something that happens on a daily basis and hence can be sort of ignored in um, in a certain sense. He got it, right? Gotcha. No, that makes sense. They're not literally putting things down on paper. No. And if you go to a mom and you say, hey, what's your manifesto? You get a lot of this. I was surprised when Amy asked me to do a manifesto on mother. I can't even believe I have to write this. I'm not confident enough to use words like manifesto. Unwritten. After we decided, like, okay, sure, there's links between Italian futures manifestos and, like, this idea that mothers could write their own manifestos. So we started with women who were close to us, which brings us back to my grandmother. Uh-huh. I feel like, I kind of feel like as mothers... It's almost like the world wants us to all have one manifesto, but there's actually so many different ways to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today. Oh, I, um, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, the day that you have a baby, your world changes. You, you're a different person, and it doesn't matter how you say it, how, how you, it, it's just different. You aren't ever the same, and you needn't try to be. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's just, uh, it's just that um, you're, you're um, a different person. Okay. My intentions as a mother. My intentions as a mother. My intentions as a mother are to introduce a life to a world of possibilities, creativity, and diversity. To have compassion and empathy for those around us that are in need. A few things that I think every mother should know and practice while raising her children. I am motivated by the love that is being a mother motivates me in ways being a success. It is because she is here to help me become my higher self. What motivates me as a mother is seeing them grow. When I was asked about changes I think should be made to help mothers be mothers, I was overrun with emotion. He's a very good father to me, but like all parents, he had flaws. So as a mom, I make an effort every day to be transparent to my kids. Whenever I am wrong about something. But anyway, uh, most, most women are just so wrapped up in the fact that they totally love that person. Love is not um, as easy for mothers as it is for uh, some some other people, I guess. All of this is in the service of some massive precondition of love and responsibility. But what those two motivating energies entail is both all-encompassing and poorly defined for me. I think we as adults know that you can really love someone and just totally dislike them. And... Because I'm human and because my children are human, there are times when I don't like them. I want to raise my son with integrity. I want him to know he is loved. I want my son to understand the importance of Encourage total awesomeness and do not lessen anyone's powers, your own included, or you are failing as a mother and a manager, and life is too short to fail. I am motivated by the love that is so incredibly powerful 
It holds the strength to overcome and exceed all of life's obstacles. The love that reminds him or her that they are never alone, even when it appears that way. It's a love that's so deep. I can't even describe it. Learn to listen to your children, which is a powerful tool of love. The road to their future is narrow that leaves no room for bitterness, pride, greed, or self-will. Try to stop them from destruction, which is easy to grasp a hold of. Listening is a tool where you are attentive, and sometimes that's all a child needs. Thank you. I was, I didn't know what to expect, and I'm sure you didn't either when you were collecting your manifestos. It's like, it's all so unique. Yeah, it was it was interesting. There were a lot of different things that people talked about, but that love theme, that really came through for almost everybody in some way, different ways, mm-hmm. but almost everybody mentions the word love, I think. And it wasn't lost on me that like one of the most famous poems that came out of Futurism um, was a poem called Amore. Ah, 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 ah. love and the only word in the poem is love yeah that's true so it's so it's interesting it's like you have these like avant-garde artists on one end you have a bunch of moms who've never met on the other they're both doing manifestos and all of them are really concerned with love it's a little trite it's so important it's yeah. so important. Yeah. And in some ways, I mean, uh, I'm not a mother, you are. Um, but but I think that uh, more than just women who have a baby can be a mother, you know, right? I, like an artist or like even somebody who, you know, creates something and nurtures it. Like an idea or a baby. Mm-hmm. In a way, Marinetti was the mother of futurism. I like that. I, I wonder if he would like that. he doesn't get to have an opinion now (laughs) no because he's dead and obsolete and we've crumpled him up and thrown him in the waste paper we can can drag his uh his grand idea through the through whatever we like and he likes it that's true that's what he said that's true he said crumple me up all right we're crumpling him with with these mountains of manifestos that we've collected exactly And we really want to encourage all of you listening to write your own manifestos or, better yet, get get whoever is a mother to you 
and do a manifesto with them. Tape it on your smartphone, write it down, grab a photo and stick it up on Cowboard. It literally takes 10 minutes. It's the easiest thing you'll do online. That's right. And listen also to Bonnie and Maude. We're going to play you a little clip now um for their mother's day episode they invited us over which was a lot of fun it was so fun and they made us watch aliens when that freight door went up (gasps) and ripley was in the power loader i started weeping (laughs) it's the ultimate oh shit moment of this movie why do you why do you think you started weeping it was like she's pregnant (laughs) it was like really overwhelming i don't even care for newt that much but Get away from her, you bitch. It was just a very powerful moment for me. <laughs> Best use of a power loader ever. Ever in a movie. <laughs> Who else do we need to thank? We need to thank Skylar Swenson for hooking us up with Cowbird. Yep, it's such an honor to collaborate with you guys. We really like the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to get to be a part of it. Yeah. A big thank you to Alicia Hall and Wendy Middleton, who helped us gain access to some mothers living at the Indiana Women's Prison who were able to participate in our project. And we want to remind you, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Stitcher, and you can listen to us on iTunes and our website, motherapodcast.com. I think that's it. Have a great Mother's Day. Mother's Day.